to the Tougher Minds podcast. In this episode, we talked to John Finn, Tougher Minds founder and managing director. We spoke to him about a recent presentation he gave to people in the tech industry. That's a sector that can present a range of challenges for well-being and personal performance. We'll hear about that later in the podcast, but we began by asking John Finn about the new free Team Power Guide on the Tougher Minds website. That's been created to give an overview of the new Tougher Minds training programme, and John Finn started by explaining more. So we wanted to create something that helped people to understand how to create powerful teams. Um, And I think often when we think about a team, we jump to everybody at the same time. Our starting point is that we want to help people to understand that happiness, people being happy, is really important. But not just to understand that that's important, but think about, well, how do we achieve happiness? So in, in, the, in, the, in the Team Power booklet, we're explaining what happiness is and how you can, uh, what you need to consider if you're going to achieve that. And we kind of break happiness down into two components. Um, so you can think of it as, just, as like a two-sided coin. One side of the coin is what we call hedonism. That's all about um, doing things that make you feel good in the short term, treating yourself, rewarding yourself, um, doing things that don't take a lot of energy but you get a big reward from. And that seems to be uh, really easy to do in 21st century life. But the other side of the happiness coin is what we call eudaimonia. And the eudaimonic approach is all about making personal progress. And we know that if we're going to feel happy and fulfilled in our lives, we need to feel like we're making personal progress. So we know that um, if we set off in, for our January's New Year's resolution and we, we want to lose some weight, but we keep stepping on the scale and the scale's not moving, we, we, we quickly give in there. So personal progress is really important for people to feel happy. So if we're going to um, create powerful teams, the first thing we need to uh, help our individual team members to do is to be happy. And a big part of that is allowing them to see personal progress. And teams that have been really successful, that's what's going on as a, as a fundamental idea. And they're actually uh, putting a lot of their energies into helping people to strive towards and to gain personal progress every single day. In what we, we call those businesses deliberate development organisations. And what's the response been initially um, to to the booklet and these these ideas that that are now becoming part of, of, of what Tougher Minds offer? I think people have found it very compelling because again, there's there's a whole self help industry that seems to prey on knowing more things, and that's not what we're interested in. We're ultimately interested in helping people to build better habits. So. That has to start with knowing something new, but we want to then move people towards the, okay, well, what do we do differently? And ultimately, how do we build it into a habit? So in the book, we're, we're explaining why that is important and the fact that it's okay knowing things, but you actually need to transfer this into a habit, into something that's automatic, semi-automatic, stuff that you just, you just do every day. You don't have to think too much about it. All Tougher Minds workers, of course, being based on the latest insights from neuroscience. You mentioned habit, um, you just have mentioned habit a lot there. Explain to us how how that affects any one person's behaviour and, and life and, and development, as it were, and, and um, uh, the, the power of habit, if you like, and the, the potential power of it. Well, the thing to understand is that most of what I'm doing right now 
and most of what everyone's doing is is a habit in the sense of it's automatic or it's semi-automatic. And that includes how you're thinking. And the thing with habits is the more you practice something, the better you get. So if you if you're a person who worries a lot, the more you practice worrying, the better you're getting at it because you're making it into a into a habit. Because your your brain is designed to conserve energy. So um, when you practice something a lot, you grow more what we call neurons in your brain. You get more dedicated neurobiological matter towards that thing, and it becomes more efficient and effective. So that's a, quite a new insight for us because most of what we're doing is so habitual and what we might call mindless. That when you say us, sorry, you mean for for the human race, as it the were, human the human race, the person, yeah, yeah. Homo yeah. sapiens, yes. Um, so it, because we are so mindless in what we do, it's actually quite hard to step away and look at ourselves and actually recognise, oh, actually, yeah, these are these are automated, semi-automated things. We see from someone like Daniel Kahneman's work, who wrote a book called Thinking Fast and Slow, and he won a Nobel Prize for that work, showing that you know, decision-making processes, they're not cleverly thought out, they're they're automated biases. Sometimes we hear the language cognitive biases. That's a, that's a another way to express a habit, a cognitive habit. So this is most of what we do, and I guess that's the first starting point of understanding if we're going to get good at building more helpful habits. Yeah, you use the phrase helpful habits, and, and it's fair to say, I think, that that, that is key to, to, to writing the ship if someone's off course, metaphorically, um, and, and starting the, the process of developing new behaviour that, that is beneficial. Yes, so it's sort of almost like doing a, a habit audit, like things that are helpful for you, things that are not helpful. And that's not the same as positive and negative thinking. That's kind of a different idea. This is about, is that helpful for you, that thing that you keep doing, or is it unhelpful? Is having five cups of coffee a day helpful for you, or is it unhelpful? For some people it might be really helpful, for some people it might be really unhelpful. So it's kind of auditing uh, what what you do in a 24-hour period, what actually helps you to work towards your goals, what's stopping you, inhibiting you from working towards your goals. And what maybe small new habit can you start to change? And that's the key. We can't change all the habits at once. You've just got to start with one small thing um, and pay attention to that. So we're looking to make a small change. And by doing that, we're seeing ourselves make some personal progress in our lives. So that comes back to the, the happiness idea. This is a Tougher Minds podcast. And if you want to know more about Tougher Minds work, log on to tougherminds.co.uk. Uh, the newly designed website with plenty of free downloads and resources and significantly what we're talking about in this podcast is the new Team Power booklet, a free PDF. You'll see it on the homepage of the website. Please do check that out. And uh, something else that's um, I noticed about the Team Power booklet, John, throughout it, it has a, uh, some tests in there, some some quizzes, if you like, uh, to... Um, uh, which 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 test people on some of the understanding they've just just developed by by working through um, the those sections of the book. What, why why have you chosen to include tests in, the, in this specific brochure? This this PDF should I say? Because we know that people have very limited short term memories, so we know that our short term memory on average lasts about thirty seconds, and you can only hold between five to seven chunks of information in your brain at one time. If you don't repeat those chunks of information which is about the length of the telephone number, you, your brain dumps it, and it's like you've never paid attention to it. So we want people to secure learning when they're paying attention to, when they're using their valuable time to pay attention to 
the documents we create and the training that we we deliver. So we've we've put the test in there um, to help people to secure learning so that they can um, extend their knowing platform and give them a better chance of actually implementing some ideas. You know, I've read lots of books, as most people have. There's surprisingly little I can remember from all those pages that I've read because I wasn't making notes and I wasn't testing my knowledge. So we know that if, if we want to help people to change and to do things differently, that repetition, um, which testing is, is one way to repeat, is, is really important to secure learning. I know in your education work um, you, you've given some very specific and very transformational guidance to young people about about revision and exams and am I right in thinking that the same it's almost a parallel there where um, in the revision process uh, you you would have to test yourself on what you've revised in an exam style you apply the knowledge to 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 um, make it to cement it in your in your in your mind and in your ability to recall it and use it exactly yeah so the process the learning process is the same and if we go back to the idea of personal progress, that's a learning idea. That's how we develop ourselves. We, we learn new things. But there's a difference between knowing something and actually implementing it. So we know that, for example, the New Zealand All Black, something that we write about in our Bite Size Resilience um, ebook, that they paid a lot of attention to mental preparation before games and they, they created um, a concept called hot, uh, Blue Head and Red Head, which is about getting their mental state into the sort of optimal level for performing under pressure and them all knowing that is, is one thing them being able to apply it under pressure in a World Cup semi-final or final is a very different idea so yeah we've got to deploy all our learning expertise to help us to secure um, to secure the new habits and the fundamental part of that is um, repeating but repeating in a way that we call um that's functional, functionally equivalent to what you're trying to achieve. So that means that if you're a New Zealand All Black, there's probably not a lot of... It's not that useful after a while just to sit there and think about getting into a redhead or a, or a bluehead state. You need to be practising that skill out on the field in real situations that you're going to be using those, those skills in in the actual live matches. So you've got to replicate that practice as closely as possible to how you would use it in, in the real situation. If you want to fulfil your potential or help other people fulfil their potential so you can feel great and get the rewards and respect you deserve, then I want to give you a free physical copy of my new best-selling book because you deserve to know the truth. The most important things for fulfilling your potential are not tips, tricks, hacks, therapy, coaching, meditation, breathwork, goal setting, journaling or finding your why. I know it sounds irrational because we're so used to hearing about using these things to help us fulfill our potential. But these approaches are outdated and ineffective and they are based on a big lie. To find out more and get your free physical copy of Dr. John Finn's best-selling book, The Habit Mechanic, go to tougherminds.co.uk. 
So functional equivalence is a, a good phrase for people to remember. That's uh, that's interesting. Um, we said at the start that the Team Power um, free download is um, to give people a flavour and a snapshot of what is in the, the, the new Tougher Minds Team Power programme. I know it's uh, coming together at this moment in time, but give us a, a, an insight, if you can, into how it will work and, and what benefits it will deliver for, for people and organisations. We do a lot of work in businesses where we will go in and do um, kind of large-scale interventions across all departments, and everyone um, has the opportunity to come on our training programme longitudinally, so we run programmes which typically span over between five to seven weeks. That's a really powerful model, and we're having some great success stories where we're using that. So what we've decided to do is actually create a programme which isn't depending on us going into the business where small groups of, of guys in businesses can come to work with us and we can put them through probably a seven-week programme where they get some live training, they also get some um, coaching support as well and they get to use some of our habit-building resources to actually allow them to experience um, personal progress and, and what the barriers are to, to allowing them to change and ultimately understand how to become better leaders because that's what this is about and the, the the target audience we've created this program for is for current leaders for future leaders in business sector in health sector in education um, because if you want to be really good at helping others to build better habits you need to have some sort of foundation to work from and you need to have experienced positive behavior change yourself and, and this program gives leaders and, and future leaders a great opportunity to do that. So useful for the leader themselves and the people within the team that, that will that, that, that will work with the leader. Yeah, so they can go back to the business, not only a better version of themselves, but they can actually, uh, this has a ripple effect, so you can actually use these insights to help others to become their best. And that's the whole aim of all our programmes, is that they're scalable across communities of people, which is why we have very simple language like the ape brain, it actually has a lot of very complicated science tied up in it, but you, we can help you to express that in, in one word, which is a very powerful cut hanger. And just a quick word about the new Tougher Minds website. The Team Power uh, free download is on there, as we've said. A couple of other things as well, but uh, uh, a better way for people to get to know you and, and get access to those free resources. Yeah, so the, our new website is more comprehensive than ever before in the sense of what it tells you about what we do and very specifically what services we can offer you. Um, so if you go on there and you check out a keynote section or workshops or even bespoke programmes, it's much clearer than it ever has been before. So hopefully that's really helpful for um, people who want to learn more about what we do. Um, also, there are more advanced resources and, and free content than we've ever had before. So again, it allows people to kind of dip their toe into the water of, of what we do and it just kind of cost you your time which is your most precious resource but I guarantee you it's a good way of, of spending some of your time to, to go look onto the new website. Well hopefully people will do that log on to tougherminds.co.uk uh, you can also follow Tougher Minds on Twitter at Tougher Minds um, and uh, you'll see links to those to the new website and uh, the free free resources as well so very well uh, worth your while checking those out as John says and now John in recent days you've, you've delivered um a talk to some individuals working in the tech sector, and that's a sector of business that 
has its own particular challenges and potential obstacles. Um, t- tell us about your experience there and, and what you delivered to those people and how specifically it helped them, because it is quite a, uh, almost as I say, a unique set of challenges that that very important sector of industry now faces. Yeah, so increasingly we've been working in the tech sector, a lot of fintech work in the city of London, working with, with startup uh, tech businesses, um, some of the fastest growing startups in, in, the, in the country, if not the world. And then very recently we were doing a talk to a group of developers, particularly PHP developers. And some of the themes that keep coming up are the terms imposter syndrome and developer fatigue. Um, so the way that I would quickly explain imposter syndrome is if you are an individual who's been very successful in your career and you've had a lot of praise, um, the, 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 one of the unusual challenges in the tech sector is that they're almost weekly there is new technologies coming out and new people coming into the business that understand these new technologies and you might not. And you might not, when you don't understand something that someone else understands, when you've been the superstar guy, you then might feel a little bit underwhelmed and you might start to question actually whether you have the credentials to um, be in the job that you're at and actually can you perform as well as people have told you can, you can, you can, can perform. And one of the ways that we express this idea in, in psychology is a fixed mindset. We can, we're very susceptible in society to be having these kind of fixed mindsets where we, we quickly develop this belief system that what we're good at is what we're good at because we're kind of a natural and we're a bit of a genius and we were kind of born to be good at this stuff. And what happens is that that creates very false confidence, which is what the imposter syndrome piece is getting at. And we know that if we're going to have robust confidence, as well as knowing that I'm a good developer, we also need to get good at paying attention to the component parts that make us a good developer. And it's almost like we describe it as an igloo. So we've got the understanding that I'm a good developer as the whole igloo, and then the subcomponent parts are the building blocks, the blocks of ice. And that when someone comes along and essentially hits your igloo with a sledgehammer of questioning of whether whether you know this new technology or not, you might look at the igloo and say, okay, I don't have that particular ice block in the igloo, but look at all these other ice blocks that I've got. And that if we get an understanding of the evidence and the, and the belief of our confidence, then that's going to help us to build more robust confidence. So a specific example for, for a developer then might be that... Um... Uh, one of their ice blocks that build their igloo might be that they can apply logic well. So they, they can eventually learn to use a new system of code. I mean, I certainly don't understand it, but yeah, they, they might be able to adapt to new practices because of their inherent um, attribute they've developed of, of applying logic. Exactly. So that, that we might call that a transferable strength. You know, If you can read and write, you've got a pretty good chance of learning anything new. So that... Um, we've got to step back and put some perspective on these things and that always goes back to the ape brain the ape brain gets very tied up in the short term and I can't do it and I panic and when I start to do that I probably start not to sleep as well and I eat uh, more poorly and I probably do less exercise so by using a, a simple metaphor of, of, of what we call the, the igloo of confidence allows you to step back and put some perspective on things and ultimately make that self that self-doubt last a shorter period of time so actually takes up less of your working day and you can get on with with the clever things that you need to do so that's one thing that um we've we've 
been helping people with. And the other thing is people call developer fatigue. And I think a big challenge for developers is that they're very creative, very problem-solving um, roles that they're in. And we know that our brain and the clever part of our brain that does that kind of creative work is a limited device. And that means that we often overestimate how long or underestimate how long something will take. Um, and when we start to feel fatigued, typically, and we lay imposter syndrome on top of that, typically what starts to happen again is we get poorer quality sleep, we have poorer quality diet, poorer quality exercise, and that makes our brain even less clever. And this, this thing just spirals out of control. So we can help people to address those ideas just by stepping back and looking at the, the, the science and the, and the neuroscience behind that and, and help people to build some better habits so that these things are, are less uh, causing less challenges in their lives and taking up less of their working day so they can actually get on and, and do the clever work that they're capable of, capable of doing. So I, I could see immediately then how, how you, something to combat the imposter syndrome could also help um, put the handbrake on, on a feeling of, of developer fatigue because, as you say, um, the work is uniquely brain-challenging, brain-centric work they're doing. And But if they can perhaps, um, through other means, as you've outlined, um, look after their well-being but also have a mechanism to... to reduce the effect of of imposter syndrome by understanding um or looking and dwelling on on their attributes and and the the helpful thoughts as we've alluded to earlier then that will combine to to help them sustain their success in their roles then yes because there's only 24 hours in a day ultimately and you can you can spend time in your day paying attention to things that are helpful for you or unhelpful for you so you know very simply if you're able to um, step back and put some perspective on things in a, in a more sophisticated way than just, just stepping back, then you're better able to identify the helpful things you're paying attention to and the unhelpful things and start to eradicate the unhelpful things and build better thinking habits ultimately. So that that's just becomes a way that you think in, in your 24-hour blocks of time. And uh, obviously the tech sector is, uh, is burgeoning, as we've said, and, and attracts... Uh quite a wide demographic of people, quite a lot of young people, and it's fair to say I think that you found um, a very appreciative and receptive audience for your, for your messages. Yes, it's been very, very well received. I think as well, you know, in the tech space, there's an empathy towards distraction onto unhelpful things um, because they're ultimately at the cutting edge of, of technology. And I think that that, Technology in the workplace is something that we haven't optimised yet and we're still working out how to do that um, so that we optimise it in helping us and not detracting away from what we're trying to achieve. Um, I also think that you know, technical guys, uh, they are deep and often introverted thinkers, so what we say makes sense to them and the, the scientific framework makes sense. Um, I had a great conversation with... Uh, a senior developer the last talk who has also studied neuroscience at Westminster University so he was very compelled by the ideas we were sharing but yeah it seems to be very powerful for people uh, which is fantastic because that's what um, our work is designed to do is help people to be at their best so that's been great that was the Tougher Minds podcast don't forget to check out the website tougherminds.co.uk for a range of free performance guides and resources You can also follow Tougher Minds on Twitter 
via at Tougher Minds. Thanks for listening.